Welcome to Missionary Talks, where we talk with missionaries and learn about their lives and work. Today I'm talking with Fred Carlson. He's a, he's a missions teacher. Fred, can you start off by telling us who you are, your background, and what your relationship to missions is? My involvement with missions began when I was in college. My parents are, were missionaries, and I would visit with them on my Christmas break and summer break. And so I was exposed to missions from uh, my youth and also personally involved with missions because as I would see how I could be used in their ministry, I began to be involved in the work that they were doing. When we first met, you were working at a, at a camp uh, for a summer. And would you consider something like that a, a missions opportunity? Yeah, missions opportunity is all around us. I live here in Pensacola. I need to be a missionary here in Pensacola. What you're referring to was a summer Bible camp where my wife and I and family, where we spent 10 weeks, we looked at that as our summer missionary uh, opportunities. My work at the school during the school year keeps us busy here in Pensacola, but I looked at the summer as an opportunity to be a short-term missionary. Do you do trips like that often? We do. We, uh, we've, last couple summers, have done several different trips. Now, we have had missions trips where we've gone overseas. Uh, two years ago, we went to Honduras. Last summer, we went to the Ivory Coast in Africa, and we also went to Peru doing missions trips. This summer, Lord willing, we'll go to the state of Maine and do a missions trip there, as well as we're praying about uh, eight, ten weeks to spend in Colorado in a church plant working there. We consider all of that missionary work. Good. And you take your, your family with you on these trips? Well, the ones to Ivory Coast and the Peru and Honduras, it was just my wife and I. There were medical missions trips, and so we didn't take our children. This uh, summer, going to Maine, we'll take my daughter. She's in the youth group, and so she'll participate. And then our uh, eight weeks in Colorado, we'll take uh, my daughter, who's uh, 18, and then our younger son, who's uh, 12. He'll go with us as well. You served on the foreign field before. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, in uh, 1979 when I graduated from college, I went into full-time uh, Christian work. I still need to get some more training, but I became a missionary pilot. I trained here in the States, got my flying uh, license, my AMP license, and then I started as a missionary pilot working with an organization that worked out of South Florida and in through the Caribbean. What, what kind of flying did you do? Did you work mainly as support staff for missionaries or just delivering packages here and there? Well, we did everything. We not only provided passenger service, I provided mail service, I provided uh, transportation, emergency flights. Plus, the, the aviation was my mode of transportation to get to the work that I was doing as well. I was involved in the ministry in the public schools, they were called the government schools, owned by the government, and every six weeks I returned back to the same school. We were in 125 schools every six weeks, giving Bible lessons to the boys and girls throughout the Caribbean. Mostly English-speaking countries, I would assume? They were all English-speaking countries where I worked. It was the, uh, the Bahamas, and it was also the Turks and Caicos Islands. But our work also expanded into Haiti, as well as the Dominican Republic. Now, we had translators that were working for us, but we helped service those missionaries or those uh, national workers that were, that were doing the Scripture Memory Program in those countries. I've not talked to a missionary pilot before. What kinds of things did you have to do training before you even became a missionary pilot? 
Well, I had to do, of course, flight training, and I did that in Alabama, got my my private license, my uh, instrument rating, my single engine, and then my multi-engine. Not only did I have to get the flying aspect of it, but as a missionary pilot, I needed to get what's called the airframe and power plant mechanic, which was the maintenance of the plane. Usually a person is either a pilot or a mechanic, but as a missionary, you had to be both, and so I had to get that training as well. And what years were you flying in the Caribbean? I started flying about 78. I graduated in 79, so about 79 through uh, 91. During our latter portion of our service while we were in the Caribbean, because we had our summers that were uh, free, the schools were closed, we started working in the state of Colorado at a Bible camp. And so we were starting to phase uh, into Colorado in the summer ministry there. A couple weeks led into, you know, a couple months, and then it was actually more permanent. And so we, we finished our work in the Caribbean in 91, and we moved to Colorado, and we stayed there four years, and I worked in a Bible camp called Wilderness Trail Bible Camp. Then now, now your ministry is your your teaching missions. What what types of uh, classes are you teaching? What are you trying to to teach? And it's on the college level, correct? Right, it is in the college level. The te- the classes that I teach, I feel, are very beneficial for the mission minded student. I teach a history of missions where we look at uh, history of missions all the way from day one of creation and even before God's plan was to redeem the world. So I teach a history of missions. I also teach a promotion of missions, and that's how we try to prepare the student to see missions from the local church perspective. We also have a class that I teach. It's called Principles and Methods. That's the how-to type class. We do teach the student how they're to make a prayer card and prayer letter and how they're to do a bulletin board or some sort of a uh, you know PR work for their work. We do a variety of different how-to projects there. We also have a class called Cultural Anthropology that I teach. It's a senior level class that helps the mission student to begin to think a little bit different from maybe their world perspective. We study some of the religions of the world and see what um, the thinking of other people might be about their way of eternal security and eternal uh, life. And so cultural anthropology is, a, is another class that we teach. Do you feel it's necessary that someone take missions classes to be a missionary? I think that in our day, training is important. I think that it's important for the student to uh, learn to study, learn how to apply themselves, I realize that we need to be a missionary right now, but I think that there's good evidence from God's Word that preparation is important as well, and so I would say that it is. What about uh, someone that goes to Bible college and, and takes Bible classes exclusively? You know, Maybe they're preparing to be a, a pastor or whatever. If they could take one type of class, one type of missions class, what would you really encourage someone to, to think about taking? If uh, a student had a limited amount of opportunities for undergraduate work, I would encourage them probably in the area of just studying the Bible. I would, I would really focus on the Bible because that's what we're, we're teaching. Uh, these other classes would certainly be helpful and I think beneficial, but I would really focus on the Bible. I, I remember when I took classes, particularly cultural anthropology, I didn't understand a lot 
of what was being taught. Now, having been on the mission field for for several years and and having a lot more experience with cross-cultural ministry, it's starting to make a lot more sense. But can you can you give us uh, some of the things that you're specifically trying to teach in a class like cultural anthropology? One of the things that I believe that the Lord has given me a ministry to do is to bring what I learned on the mission field now into the classroom. And I see that that's a very, very beneficial tool that the Lord has allowed me to use. I realize that many of my students are similarly in a... A situation like you. You've, they've been to the mission field, maybe limited, uh, not a lot. So I do encourage them, listen, to your, during your summer, get to the mission field, go short term, go for extended periods if you possibly can. I think that some of the material that we're going through, going over and pre- preparing the student for won't make much sense until they really begin to experience it themselves. But some of the things that I think that will be beneficial that we study is trying to uh, get out of the mind fr- mindset that unless we do it the Baptist way or we do it the American way or the North American way, that there's really no other way. And when we reject what God has already begun to do in the hearts of other people, let's say in Peru or Mexico or anywhere, then we come with the idea that we have a better way. Well, God's begun working in their way, in their hearts long ago. And I think that for us to reject that or think that we have the answers to all their problems, that would be a mistake for the students. So we do try to impress upon them that, listen, you know, God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. But God has many avenues on how to communicate what he wants to, them to know. And oftentimes it's, it's completely different from the, the American way or the Baptist way. You've been involved in missions for 30 years. What kinds of things have you seen change and particularly change for the better? What has really been a joy for me to see is how when the missionary goes to a field and they are blessed by God and then to see those that they minister become missionaries themselves. Second generation missionaries is just tremendous. And that, I I suppose, has not been a change, although I've seen that happen. Not necessarily with the you know one-on-one that I've seen, but certainly have seen nationals now becoming missionaries, going to America as missionaries, going to uh, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, going to other communities, even within their own countries. That's really been an exciting thing. Uh, as far as change, I think today there is no hindrances for a young person, a college student or a college-age career or even, you know, a little bit older to get to the mission field. Today, transportation is um, better than what it ever has. And so we can not only go as a short-term missionary, but we can also go and assist missionaries. And so I see that as a big change today. Uh, You know, the cost of tickets are expensive, but the fact is is that you can get to the other side of the world in a half a day, whereas before it used to take you uh, half a year. Do you see that there's a, maybe an up-and-coming nation that is now sending out a lot of missionaries that, that may one day be the next big missions emphasis in the world? Well, I haven't witnessed it myself, but I have uh, heard of South Korea and the work that they're doing, sending missionaries. This past summer when I was in Peru, I was 
delightfully surprised to see that the Peruvians are very concerned, at least the uh, believers that I was with, concerned not only with reaching their own Peruvian people, but also to see them reach uh, other countries. There were Peruvians that were uh, learning different languages, European languages, so that they could go and work uh, in uh, Eastern and Western Europe. They also were praying about uh, the, the Islamic world, that the Peruvians were concerned of t- taking the gospel to the Islamic world. A couple summers ago, I was in uh, the country of India, and India is really uh, a needy mission field. It always has been. But the believers there, the national believers there, they realize that even if they stay within their own country, that the many different states within India need to be reached. And there were nationals that were training to uh, take the gospel uh, to Nepal or to Afghanistan. And so that was really encouraging. So those are a couple examples that I have witnessed and seen myself. Often when I talk to missionaries, they talk about how things are done in their country and and many times they think they have the worst drivers. They Everything is the worst or the best in whatever country they're in. You've you've had experience in lots of different countries. Uh, what do you think maybe stands out about a particular country that you think is interesting? I always enjoy the food. It's, I think, a real blessing of getting to visit different uh, places. And one neat thing is when you're a Christian, you often get into the homes of the Christians, and that really has been a blessing to be able to sit at their table, to be able to share a fellowship together around food and, and fellowship, and that really has been a joy. Many times they sacrificed a lot so that they can provide for us, and that's always very much appreciated. But I would say just to enjoy their cultural experiences, try to see things from their perspective. You know, why do they do what they do? Why uh, do they uh, practice what they practice? And oftentimes... It goes back to the way they've been, they've been raised. One missionary once told me, he said, Fred, if you were born and raised here, you'd be doing it that way yourself. And that really makes a lot of sense. You know, there's really not a right way or a wrong way. And so just experiencing the everyday life, uh, how they live, has really been a joy for me. Do you have a guiding Bible verse you'd like to share with us, something that maybe has been a help to you in missions? Yeah, I have a verse that I believe that would apply, or at least a, a verse, a, a great principle. And it's really the first missionary trip that Paul made. And what I would like to say as something that's a real principle is you really can't be a missionary on foreign so- soil until you're a missionary really where God has placed you. And I really see that as something that's guided my life. In Acts chapter 13, the first couple verses, Paul, as well as others, are involved in a church called Antioch. Antioch was a mission-planted church. But the Apostle Paul was busy in Antioch long before he ever set sail on his first missionary journey. Well, I see that for myself, that you know I can't rely upon what I've done in the past. I can't hope for what I'll maybe do this summer or in the future. I have to see that I have to be a missionary right here and right now. And so the work that Paul began as a missionary, began where God had placed him. And I think that would be a principle that I would like to see applied in my life, that where I am, that's the mission field. Here in America, there's many, many opportunities to be a a shining light. I will agree it's often easier to be a, a, 
a testimony or a shining light maybe on foreign soil because people expect that of you. But I think that I am not a missionary if I'm not a missionary at home. Well, it's been it's been enjoyable talking to you, Mr. Carlson. Do you have anything as we close that you'd like to share with the listeners? One thing that I would like to, sh- to say in closing is that we don't know when Christ will return. We're really anticipating that, but we really need to share that as well. It's a great joy to, to anticipate when Christ will return, but it'll also be a day of great sorrow because then that means that the harvest time is over. And so, you know, for your listeners, I think it would be important for us to realize that God has put each of us in a particular place and there is an urgency about what we should do. The urgency is is that there is coming a day when the gates of heaven will be closed. And that means that we need to be busy today. So we need to be missionaries wherever God has placed us. And so the urgency of the soon coming of Christ would really be a motivation for us to get out and be busy. You've been listening to Missionary Talks with David Peach. Please visit us at missionarytalks.com.